on this episode of Podcastification, I want to talk to you about the future of podcasting as I see it. My name is Kerry Green, and I am the Client Happiness Guy at PodcastFastTrack.com, and this is Podcastification. Podcastification is all about you, teaching you how to podcast, how to put into practice the best practices that I and my team have learned in working with hundreds of clients. You are going to podcast better from listening to this show. If you like what you hear on Podcastification, please just hit the pause button, swipe to the sharing function on your app, and share this episode with somebody you know will benefit. And if you'd like to get in on more Podcastification goodness, you can do it by subscribing to our Podcast Optimizer email series. And I promise you, you won't get lots of junk. You'll just get one actionable email a week. Go to podcastfasttrack.com slash optimizer. That is enough of that kind of stuff. Let's get you podcastificated right away. Welcome back to Podcastification. Now, you know, I don't have a crystal ball and I'm not one of those guys who claims to have some sort of gift of prophecy or anything like that. But I do feel like working as a professional in the podcast industry and working with clients and just watching what's going on, I have a little bit of smarts about what I see coming. I can picture some things in the future that seem like natural fits given where we are in podcasting right now. So in this episode, that's what I want to share with you is what I've been thinking and what I think is coming. And then as a result, what you and I as indie podcasters should do in order to stay relevant and experience the greatest success we can in the future. Now, let's start out a little bit with just a little bit of history. If you don't know, podcasting actually began back in 2003, 2004. You hear a lot of people talk about how podcasting is a new thing. Well, that is absolutely not true. Podcasting's been around for a long time. It was just really hard to do at first because you had to be kind of a techie person to figure out how to create RSS feeds and enclosures and things like that. But as happens with technology, everything's gotten easier. We're all able to publish fairly easily any kind of content that we want. And podcasting is the way many people are choosing to do that. And I honestly think is the better way. Here we are in July of 2019, and a lot has happened in the podcasting space. If you saw some of the most recent statistics released by Edison Research in their Infinite Dial survey, you will know that there are over 700,000 podcasts in existence right now. Now, that's not talking about individual episodes. That is talking about shows. There are over 700,000. Now, while we say that, we also have to be honest about the reality of how many of those shows are still actually publishing. The statistics show that just over 300,000 are still publishing regularly. Now, as we talk about that, we need to be honest and say some of those shows were published like in a bulk drop of episodes and were never intended to be an ongoing show. They're intended to be a resource or an entertainment package or vehicle that was given all at once and are therefore still to be considered relevant because they are indeed a podcast that you can subscribe to and download and listen to at your convenience. Just because they're not publishing regularly doesn't discredit them in any way. I think what they're trying to do when they talk about the 300,000 plus 
episodes that are publishing regularly is just to point out that many people start a podcast, but don't continue it. That could be a choice, as I mentioned in the previous example, or it could be just a thing that the person got into it and didn't realize what they were getting into in terms of time commitment and the difficulty of coming up with content and those kinds of things. So that's where we're at when it comes to podcasting in relationship to the numbers. But there's a lot more to consider than just that. In case you haven't noticed, a lot of people and organizations that have a whole lot of cash are getting into the podcasting space. Now, for a long time, we've had NPR, which is really National Public Radio, but they have donors who support their work, and they have been into podcasting for quite some time now, and they do a very incredible job with the kinds of production that they do. But NPR is not the only game in town when it comes to those highly produced types of episodes. Most of us have heard of shows like S-Town and Lore and different shows that have a higher production value in terms of sound effects and voiceover and different actors even and audio dramas and true crime podcasts. And you see the categories and the production value are increasing all the time. We just saw iTunes create new categories for many podcast areas or niches that weren't accurately represented. And I think that's a good thing. But my point here is this. With all of this money and skill from professional radio production and the like coming into the podcasting space, it is making it a more competitive arena in which to publish your content. Why does that matter for you and I as indie podcasters? Well, it's because we're not only competing with each other and with others in our particular niche, we're now competing with those who have the big dollars. And it's a competition I'm glad to take on, but it has its things that we need to think through in order to do what we do well. Let me give you some examples. If you are putting out a podcast, let's say about marketing in general, or maybe let's be a little more specific, digital marketing, online marketing with social media and Instagram, LinkedIn, all those kinds of things, you are in a niche that has to do with digital marketing, obviously. But you also are competing with people who don't even talk about digital marketing. And why is that? Well, it's because you're competing for what Edison Research refers to as share of ear. You're competing for listening time. It's kind of like when you have choices of what to watch in terms of video. Well, you have lots of options. You have YouTube where there's a lot of individual creators similar to podcasters. But there's also brands that are publishing things on YouTube. But that's not it. You have Amazon Prime also that you have to compete with. You have Netflix that you have to compete with. You have Hulu that you have to compete with. You have regular broadcast television and cable news that you have to compete with. You have sporting events and pay-per-view that you have to compete with. You see, if you're in the video space, you're competing for share of eyeballs, share of watches, in podcasting, we're competing for share of listen, share of ear, because people are going to make choices about what they listen to and what they do not listen to. And that's simply a result of the fact that we all have a limited amount of time. We can't listen to everything. And so I want you to start thinking about podcasting and about the effectiveness and reach of your podcast in particular 
outside the realm of your niche or industry. You need to realize that there is a broader field that you're playing on, a broader set of competitors that you're having to come against. And many of those, as I mentioned, have the big dollars. And so they are producing at a higher level. And when I say producing at a higher level or or use the term production value, what I'm referring to is the quality of audio and production that they're doing. They're doing narrative-based things. They're doing storyline-based things. They're hiring writers to help them write scripts. I mean, a great example of this is a podcast that GE, General Electric, put out. It's an audio drama. It's called The Message. And then it has a follow-up podcast called Life After. Listen to The Message in particular and pay attention to what they've done. They basically have created their own sci-fi fantasy kind of a story. They have sourced actors. They have produced it as an audio drama. They have sound effects. They have a real believable storyline. I mean... It is an amazing production, and it's put out by a company that has plenty of money to do that sort of thing. When people get engaged with a production like that, it's very much like binging on Stranger Things on Netflix. You know, my son and his friends just did that recently. They sat down and watched every episode of Stranger Things, even though they had seen the series before. It's kind of like when you go back and you watch all the Lord of the Rings trilogy or something like that. People are doing that kind of thing. And people are doing that with podcasting. They are choosing to use their time to listen to these higher value, higher quality, rather is a better choice of words, productions. And why are they doing that? Well, because it's fun. It's enjoyable. It's the kind of thing you look forward to doing because it's entertaining. And I hope you can see where I'm going with this. In the future, there's going to be more and more and more of that kind of competition because more and more big players are getting into the podcasting space. Now, as an independent podcaster, I don't want you to feel scared by that. I'm going to give you some tips here in a moment about things you can do to up the production value of your show so that you can be a better competitor with those big boys and girls who are coming on the scene. But I do want you to just be aware the same old thing that got you here is likely not going to get you where you want to go in the future simply because of this issue of competition across all categories and all niches. It's real and you need to really think that through. Now, before I get to some practical tips about what we can do to amp up our production value, let me just say this. There is still, and I believe always will be, a place for niche podcasts, industry-specific podcasts, hobby-specific podcasts, lifestyle-specific podcasts. Why? Well, because people who are interested in those things will be interested in listening to podcasts about those things, right? And so if you can continue to position yourself as a leading voice in that niche or in that area of interest, you will be able to gain a following. You will be able to build an audience. But here's what I want you to consider in that fact. You've got to be giving them something that is worth them, not just becoming a listener, but continuing to be a listener. You see, I get the question all the time as a podcast consultant, 
What do I do to get more downloads, more subscribers? And it's a valid question to a point, but I don't think the question goes far enough. Because just like a sales funnel where you're getting people coming into your sales process, what really matters is how many of those people who come into the process you actually close, you actually sell something to. And then here's the part I'm going at that you can maintain as an ongoing customer because an ongoing customer is an ongoing source of revenue. Now, let's take it outside the realm of a purchase in in, in commerce, and let's put it into this context that you and I are talking about right now, and that is getting subscribers to your show. Man, if you get 500 subscribers a day for your show, that would be a wonderful thing, and I would be all for that. But I'm going to be more concerned about what are you doing to keep those subscribers. And as you and I both know, you're only going to keep those subscribers if you are providing something to them that is valuable enough that they're going to stick with you, regardless of all the big brand shows that come out and regardless of how highly produced they are. What you offer to your listeners is of much more importance than how you get people to listen to your show. We've got to quit playing small. We've got to quit trying to do the hacks that will get more people to pay attention to us initially. And we've got to start thinking longer term. We've got to start thinking bigger than just that. We need to have our focus on building relationship with our listeners. And we begin that process of relationship building through freely and generously and amazingly providing value to them. Now, what are the things that could constitute value in your niche or industry? You need to think that through. That's a question you should be asking yourself. Is it the quality of the actionable insights and tips you're giving or the coaching that you're giving? Maybe that's it. But I'm going to suggest to you it's also the quality with which you do that. And that brings us to the suggestions I have for how you can increase the production value of your podcast. The very first step is to get in touch with your audience and what they consider to be valuable. Now think about that for a moment. What do they consider to be valuable? Are they looking for practical advice on very niche specific topics? Well, then you need to figure out how to give them that practical advice in spades Make it so helpful, make it so informed, make it something that you've researched so that you know what you're talking about. Why? So that you can build trust with that audience. So they begin to look to you as the leader in your niche or industry, as the expert who they can rely upon. Now, this is nothing new. This is what indie podcasters have been great at doing for a very long time. But we've got to become even better at it. We've got to put more time into researching what we're going to talk about and not just shooting off the cuff. You see, we've got to get serious about providing value to our audience. This issue of making our podcasts something that is sticky, something that Listeners come back to again and again and again because they love what they're hearing and they love how they're hearing it is a very important issue. 
And I recognize that as independent podcasters, many of us just simply don't have the time or the resources or the skill level to put that together ourselves. We just can't do it because it takes a lot more intentionality and it honestly takes a lot more learning on our part to know how to do it well. You know, it's one thing to put sound effects in your show, but it's another thing to put them in in a way that enhances the listener's experience rather than just sounding kind of cheesy and quirky. I'm sure you've heard shows like that. What I want to let you know about, and I'm sure you know about it already if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, is this side project that I've put together in this this new company that I'm building. It's called Narratively. You can find out more at narratively.com. And Narratively has no E at the end right before the L-Y. But Narratively is an attempt to serve that part of the podcasting industry that is not a brand, it's not a big company necessarily, but is someone who's been successful enough that they realize that if they're going to stay at the level they've been playing at, they're going to have to up their game in terms of their podcast production quality. And so we're producing narrative interview episodes, similar to what I did with Nick Loper and Darla Powell previously. You can hear those in episode 123 and 127 of this podcast feed. But narratively is all about this issue of increasing our production value for the sake of listener retention. You see, it's not about subscribers anymore. It's about keeping the people who come to listen to your show. If you're interested in finding out more about Narratively, you can go to narratively.com and take a listen. You can also fill out a form there that says, hey, I'm interested in finding out about being a beta client. Let me tell you a little bit about a beta client. A beta client is a person who's going to help us refine our systems because here's the honest to God truth about Narratively right now. The only narrative interview episodes I've been producing so far are my own. I've played around with something for a few people and they decided to go another route, but I know it's just a matter of time until we get our first client who's ready to go with this. And narratively needs some beta clients, people who are willing to come on and help us refine systems to iron out the kinks, to figure out how this whole thing is going to work. And for clients who, number one, we believe in their message enough to take them on as a client. And number two, who have some money to invest more than a typical podcast production would cost, but are also willing to help us tweak our systems and refine it as we go. We're going to give a discount for that service as a beta client. We want them to succeed. We want to work out our process for their sake, but we also genuinely appreciate how much they're going to invest in our process of building out the system. And so if you're interested, go to narratively.com. At the bottom of the page is a form you can fill out to get a response from me personally about your interest in being a narratively client. Now, let me just say this right off the top. It costs considerably more than typical podcast production on a per episode basis, even at the beta client level, just because there's so much time and so much expertise involved. I mean, hiring creative writers and things like that who can help us come up with scripts and all that kind of stuff. It takes a lot to put it together. So if that describes you, a person who's willing to invest in your own podcast in that way and to that degree, hit me up at narratively.com and let's talk about you becoming a beta client. All right, let's get back to the episode about the future of podcasting. Now, the second thing I think qualifies as value and that we need to consider 
is in the method of delivering that. Can you do it with more humor? Can you do it with a more entertaining approach? Can you do it using sound effects and music? Can you do it in a way that is more engaging, like an audio drama or like a narrative episode? I hope if you are listening to this episode, you've heard my previous two episodes that I'm calling narrative interviews, one with Nick Loper, which was, I believe, episode 123, and one with Darla Powell, which I believe was episode 127. Those are examples of the kinds of things we've got to do to draw people in because it keeps people listening. It builds a storyline that engages the listener and makes them curious about what's to come in that story. It's just like a good movie. It's just like a great television series. It keeps you coming back for more. And we indie podcasters have got to learn how to do that better. Hello? So my challenge for you, on this episode, here's the practical part, is for you to, number one, research your audience. Start asking questions of your audience. Start hanging out where they hang out online and find out what they consider to be valuable. What is it they're looking for? What are the needs they're trying to address? What are the concerns they have? What are the areas of interest and struggle that they are coming to a podcast like yours for? Second, start thinking through how you deliver your content. Is it the same old, I ask a question and the guest gives an answer sort of an episode? My prediction is those are going to become few and far between. And the ones that are successful are the ones that have great interviewers. I mean, truly great interviewers who draw out incredibly insightful things from their guests that the guest perhaps didn't even expect to share in the first place. But because the interviewer is so great at asking questions, they get better all the time. In that regard, I would recommend to you a podcast called The Turnaround. And here it is. It is interviews with interviewers about interviewing. <laughs> How much more meta could you get? But it's a great series of interviews. They interview people like Dick Cavett and Katie Couric and Larry King and the fresh air gal man, her name is escaping me right now, Terry Gross. They just interview all these great interviewers and they all have their own approach. They all have their own insights, but it's a powerful, powerful set of interviews for you to listen to if you're doing an interview-based show. Back to my main point though, I believe interview-based shows are going to become less and less popular because they're simpler to pull off, but not necessarily better unless the interviewer has done their homework to develop their skill. And so what are you going to do in your format of your show to make things more interesting for your listeners, to make things more engaging, and to keep those listeners coming back? A great example of that, in my view, is one of my clients, Roger Whitney. He does a show called The Retirement Answer Man. And whether you are interested in financial retirement-based topics or not, I encourage you to listen to an episode, at least, of The Retirement Answer Man. You can find it at rogerwhitney.com. Roger does a great job of making his show kind of quirky and fun, but he also has different segments and he uses different sound effects and he's making a true difference in the lives of his listeners. And they become very loyal because they enjoy the way in which he produces his show. Do you see that? It's about the method, the pattern, the format that he's following 
that causes them to truly, here's the key word, enjoy what they're hearing. So as we move into a realm of podcasting where brands are coming on the scene more powerfully and competition is getting heavier, what are you going to be doing to increase the sticky factor of your podcast? The thing that gets people stuck to your show and coming back again and again and again. All right. That's all I got to say about that. You know what time it is. It's time for you to go out and make it a podcastificating day. This show is brought to you by Podcast Fast Track, where my team provides professional podcasting services without the time suck. Full production, editing, and show notes, all in one monthly subscription package. You can find out more at podcastfasttrack.com. Now go out and make it a podcastificating day. Audio editing and show notes by podcastfasttrack.com. Get 15% off your first month by mentioning this show.